0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Silver and Irish, for that. Praise the Lord. Folks, take your Bible, please, tonight, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 25. The book of Acts, chapter number 25. I'll be reading a few verses of Scripture here, and then making a few comments. We'll have a word of prayer, and away we go with the message. Acts, chapter 25. Now, at this point, Paul had been in prison two years. He'd been in prison two years. And uh, finally, he gets another opportunity to defend his faith. And so we're going to pick up the story here in verse 13. The Bible says, And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's case unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me desiring to have judgment against him to whom I answered. It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither, without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom the accusers stood up. When the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of one Jesus, watch this now, folks, which was dead, Whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Our Lord Jesus Christ rose victorious from the grave. 2,000 years ago. And for 2,000 years people have been disputing that. They've been saying, oh it's nonsense. While others say, no it's true. Is Jesus Christ still alive? Or is he dead and still in the grave? Which is it? He can't be both. Which is it? Many people have tried to conquer death. The founders of all of the different world religions are all dead. And they're in their graves. Unless they've been burned to ashes and scattered. Located in a town called Baji in Israel is the tomb of Baha'u'llah, who was the founder of the Baha'i faith. And there he is buried, the founder of the Baha'is. If you were to go to uh, Kushinagar in India and dig beneath the monument there, you'd find some of the ashes of Gautama Buddha. He was the founder of Buddhism. If you were to go to the city of Khufu, in the province of Sa- Shandong in China, you'll find a grave with the body of Confucius, the founder of Confucianism. Located in the city of Medina in Saudi Arabia, and according to early Muslim sources, you will find the tomb containing the body of Muhammad if you were to go to the city of Na'uvu in the Illinois to the Smith Family Cemetery and there you will find a tomb containing the body of Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormons. But, if you were to go to Jerusalem and just outside the city, you will find a tomb there. And if you were to Crouch down and enter in. You will find the tomb is empty. That's the borrowed tomb of Jesus Christ. He is the only founder of a world religion. I kind of don't like saying it this way. Who's still alive. He, He broke the bands of death. He's alive. Isn't that wonderful news? Hallelujah. Amen. Boy, that's writing. That's worth typing an amen in tonight. Boy, praise the Lord for that. You know, good magicians are able to make you think that they're sawing a lady in half or floating a body or something. Good magicians can fake their death, but it's just a trick. Down through the years, there have been hundreds, perhaps thousands, Of people who've tried to fake their death. But they found out either they're still alive. Or some kind of hoax. But when it comes to Jesus. What we have. Is we have certain proofs. And one of our proofs and our first proof. Is the Bible. The Bible. The Bible proves that Jesus died. Now, let's leave the book of Acts and go back to the gospel of Matthew. We'll go to gospel of Matthew, chapter number 27. We're going to do a quick walk through two or three of the, the gospels here. And we're going to look at the biblical account. We're going to bring the evidence to the table. What happened to Jesus that day in which he was crucified? Well, we come to chapter 27, and we look here at verse 26. We find that Jesus, at the beginning, was beaten to a pulp. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus. If you know anything about scourging, you know it's not a very pretty topic. Many people have died under the scourge, the loss of blood, the the ripping of the the body parts by the the cat-o'-nine-tails. Horrible, horrible treatment. So he delivered him to be crucified. And then, of course, they mocked him. They platted a crown of thorns and rammed it on his head. They spit on him. They beat him with the, the reed. And then they led him out to be crucified. Same chapter now, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He died. Folks, that's it. He died there on the cross. How do we know that he was dead? Because he was certified dead by an expert. Now we'll go to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, and we'll look please at verse 39. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Verse 44, and Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, He asked him whether he had been dead, he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Here, the centurion, it was his job to verify death. If he had been lying, if he had not done his job properly, it would have meant his death. And so very carefully, they they, they made sure that the victims were dead. Now, here's another evidence he was dead. If you turn to the Gospel of John and chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse number 33. They wanted to hasten the process and, and get those bodies off the cross because the next day was the, uh, um, the Sabbath the Passover, and so in verse number 33, they were going to break the legs because after they did that, then the condemned could no longer hold themselves up on the cross and they would die quickly. They would suffocate and die. In verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Someone says, well, what what if he had just sort of fainted? Listen, they were used to death. They had done this thousands of times. They understood death. And when they came to Jesus, they saw he was dead. The centurion, he put his his, uh, seal of approval on the death of Jesus and verified that to Pilate. Now, that's not all. But if you look at verse 34, here's another evidence of death. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. This is what happens after death. The water, the plasma separates from the, the out of the blood, and you get blood and water. This was another evidence. They didn't do it to, to mock him or to, uh, to make fun of him. They did it to see if he was dead. And so that's another evidence. Yes, Jesus was dead. Well, what happened after this? Well, after this, they wrapped Jesus in about 100 pounds of spices and Linen cloth. If you look at verse 39. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And then, um, if you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see chapter 27. You will see that he was taken and he was placed in the tomb. Chapter 27 and verse number 60. And you'll see here. Um, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. That would help. There we go. Chapter 27 and verse 60 joseph took the body of jesus verse 60 and laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out in the rock and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed and so here he they took the body of jesus put it in the tomb locked it all up and then finally verse 62 of that same chapter now the next day that followed the day of the preparation the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure sealing the stone and setting a watch the jews had guards they were called temple guards they had a lot of guards and Pilate said you have a watch you already have guards go ahead and use them it wasn't the the roman guards that came these were the 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 temple guards that came and they were trained soldiers and they secured that tomb they didn't want The disciples getting in and stealing the body. Well, what happened, you say? I'll tell you what happened. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. That's what happened. Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Now, if you want further proof, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We have proof of his death. Eyewitness proof by men trained in the subject of death. Now we have proof of his resurrection. And if you're, if you're in 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 15 and look please with me at verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now watch this. And that he was seen of Cephas. That's a reference to Peter. Then of the twelve. That's a reference to the other apostles. Although there was only 11 of them because Judas went and hung himself. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. That's a lot of eyewitnesses of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. That's as of maybe 57, 58 A.D. when Paul wrote the book of First Corinthians. Verse 7. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me, says the apostle Paul. He was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. These are people who all met spoke with, fellowshiped with, some of them had meals together with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was risen from the dead, just like he said he would. Listen, the question is, if he didn't die, and if he's still dead, why didn't the Jewish leaders just produce the body? Huh? I mean, wouldn't that put a stop to everything? Oh, that deceiver, he said after three days, he would rise from the dead. Let's take the the guards and seal that that tomb. Let's make sure those disciples don't get in there and steal the body away and then tell everyone he's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. Why didn't the, the, the Jewish authorities scour the city? They could have done that. They had the power and the money and the political pull with the Roman government. They could have done it. Why didn't they produce the body? That's all they would have had to do. Produce the, what do they call it? The corpus delecti, the the, the dead body of Jesus. Why didn't they do that? If they had done that, it would have have solved everything. Because they couldn't, that's why. They, They absolutely couldn't. They couldn't produce the body because there was no body to produce. The Lord Jesus rose from the grave. That's what happened, folks. And we've got the proof from the witnesses that he died. He was pulverized, nailed to the cross, and died. We've got the proof that he was buried, uh, wrapped up with a the hundred a pound of spices, and buried in, in that tomb, and the, the door sealed. The guards all standing around. We have the proof he died. And we also have the proof that he rose from the grave. The Jewish leaders were not able to produce the body. Say, what was it anyhow? What was it that changed these these 11 scared disciples? Timid. So that they all ran away. They forsook Jesus. What what is it? What was it that changed them into the bold evangelists willing to live their lives the rest of their life for the Lord Jesus? What was it that made this night and day change, transformation in their lives? I'll tell you what it was. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus were still dead, that's not going to change anybody's life. No one's going to get motivated to live their lives and, yea die for a dead hero. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Listen. I'll tell you something. Supposing. Just supposing. That Jesus did not rise from the dead. Supposing. The, supposing the disciples actually managed to steal the body of Jesus all right let's pretend that that's true okay the disciples somehow broke into the tomb while the guards slept which would have been i don't know punishable by maybe death sleeping on their watch the disciples slipped in there stole the body of Jesus well you you think of it What would the disciples have at that point? What would the disciples have? All they'd have is a dead corpse. Isn't that right? That's all they got. A dead corpse. That's not going to motivate anyone. But we've got all kinds of testimony from witnesses that they saw Jesus. They touched him. They spoke with him. He spoke with them and in some cases they they broke bread together at one point they they were on the beach and they they had a fish a broiled fish meal together it was the lord jesus he rose from the dead and that's what changed them from being weaklings and timid and fearful to being strong and bold with their gospel willing to live the rest of their life for the lord jesus christ it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Something I found interesting was that um, India's first prime minister in 1947 and his name, Jawaharlal Nehru, he was India's first prime minister. And listen to what he said. This was in his speech. I found this. I share this with you. He said these words, quote, In thousands of years, the religions of India have never motivated anyone to plow a field, build a house, drain a swamp, or dam up a stream. But let us not deny the church its due. It has helped lift people's burdens in every part of the world. Here it comes now. The motivating force has been the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, I told you that we have proofs, plural, that he's alive today. We have the biblical proof. First, the biblical proof of his death to certify he actually died. Then the biblical proof of his resurrection to certify that he's actually alive. But we come now to the proof of changed lives, human experience, people Men, women, young people that have met Jesus Christ. This same Jesus Christ. And it's changed their lives. It's changed my life. As you know, 45 years ago, I humbled myself and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins. To save me from going to hell to come into my life, into my heart, into my soul, to be my Savior and my Lord, my King. That was on April the 6th, 1975, 45 years ago. And Jesus Christ met me. It was in the ballroom of the Holiday Inn in Montreal, the airport Holiday Inn, still there. He's never left me nor forsaken me. Oh, hallelujah, what a Savior if it was all just a pipe dream, just a big myth, a hoax, it wouldn't have lasted 45 years, let alone 2,000 years. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's the evidence of changed lives. You know the story how over in Russia, after the Bolshevik Revolution and communism was starting to Take over the country. A communist leader. He was sent out. To the different villages. To teach the people all about the virtues of communism. And how that. Religion was nothing more than the opium. Of the people. And he stood up in a town square. And he waxed eloquent for some time. Talking all about. Communism. He saw the, the town pastor. And he looked at him and said, come on up here. I'll give you five minutes to refute what I've just said. The pastor got up on the platform and said, I don't need five minutes. I only need five seconds. And he turned to the people and he said these words, he is risen. And they all thundered back the response. He is risen indeed. Jesus Christ makes a big difference when he comes into the heart and life. As long as you leave him on the outside of your life. Just looking in the windows of your life. Knocking on the door of your heart. He'll do you no good. But when you open that door and you receive him into your life, into your heart, to your soul. He comes and he makes wonderful changes. The guilt of sin is. Washed away. All of those creepy things you've ever done in life. His blood makes it white as snow. The Lord Jesus changes lives. Oh, he does. There's a true story of when uh the famous preacher F. B. Meyer, he died in nineteen twenty-nine tremendous man of God, tremendous prayer warrior too. And he was dying and he was informed that he only had a few hours left to live. And so F.B. Meyer took a pen and paper and he wrote these words. He said, to my surprise, I have just been told that my days and hours are numbered. It may be that before this letter reaches you, I shall have gone into the presence of the king. Don't trouble to write. We shall meet in the morning with much love, yours affectionately, F.B. Meyer. How could a man write that in the face of death if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the reality of Christ in his life? About 20 years after that incident in 1949, another man, a famous preacher named Peter Marshall, he also lay dying. Peter Marshall was a tremendous preacher. And he had a weak heart and suffered a few heart attacks. He was actually also the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. He had a massive heart attack. The ambulance came to the home. They placed him on the stretcher. And as they were taking him out the front door of his house, he looked up at his wife and he said, Darling, I'll see you in the morning. And they took him out and he died at the hospital. Peter Marshall wasn't referring to the the next 24 hours or something when he said, I'll see you in the morning. He knew that this was the end. And he could confidently say to his wife. I'll see you in the morning. Meaning up yonder in heaven. Oh, that's the wonderful difference that Jesus makes. I've spoken with a lot of people over the years. Different religions. And I try to ask them leading questions. You know, have you got heaven all figured out? Sometimes I'll ask them, oh, you must have had a wonderful time in fellowship with God. And they look at me with a strange look on their face. No. Oh, listen, the difference Jesus makes. That's what it's all about, folks. Perhaps you're watching this broadcast and you don't know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. That's a sorry way to live. That's a frightening way to live, especially in the light of COVID-19. They're still predicting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of deaths that may yet still occur. Will you be one of them? How can a man know that when he dies, he's going to go to heaven? Can he know for sure? Yes. God promises us, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that ye may know that ye have eternal life. It's a gift. You can receive it or you can reject it. It's up to you. Would you, in your heart tonight, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Would you do it? Would you make tonight the greatest night of your whole life? Would you receive Christ? He's alive, my friend. And he's knocking on your heart's door now. By faith. Would you turn from your sin? Would you trust in him? Bow your head. Close your eyes. Let's pray together.